welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and today I have a very talented and very guest. It is Mika Chu. She is a Russian-French MC, actress, scriptwriter, and model, regularly featured in Vietnamese media. She speaks five languages, English, French, Russian, Vietnamese, and Spanish. She's currently in Ho Chi Minh City, and we're going to discuss her background, career in entertainment, work abroad, Vietnam, and more. Mika, how are you? Wow, thank you, Connor. Hi, everyone. I feel so shy. I'm like, <laughs> it's like listening. Wow, who is this girl? Is it me? Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, it's me. Oh, fantastic. Wow. I feel very happy, very uh, honored to be here today and with you guys. So I hope you're going to have a, a good time. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I love when someone reads an intro about me, like when they interview me, I think, wow, I did that. Yeah. Right. It's one of those where you think and think, wow, yeah, how did it all begin? So let's start where it all sure. did begin. You are from Russia. Yes. But when you were 10, you moved to France. Exactly. Now, that's quite a unique one because usually the guests I interview, you know, they grew up in the same place like mm. me in the UK. Uh, how was that move? How did you transition when you were 10 moving to France? Well, actually, the move started a little bit before. So at the age of eight, my mom, my mom was already divorced from my dad. Uh, she asked me if I would like to live in France with her. Just random question. And you know, you eight, you think of Eiffel Tower, Disney World. Obviously, say yeah. <laughs> but what I didn't know is that my mom was very serious. So a few months later, she sold everything we had. She sold the apartment. She sold all the goods. She gave away a lot of things, and we were going to go to Siberia. Me and my mom. She was going to let me live with my grandparents. And she will try to make her way in France. Actually, that was the plan. So it was actually a little bit scary, you know, because when you're a child and all of a sudden, not only you live away from one of your parents, but like both mm. in a totally new environment. Uh, because, yeah, I didn't say, but my hometown, guys, is near Vladivostok. So it's like the Asian side of Russia and Siberia is right in the middle with very harsh um, meteo weather conditions, you know, and also people are very into alcohol, let's be honest. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it was actually very rough. This first step going to France was extremely rough for me because I discovered uh, like people who have really hard life in small villages in Russia, that they struggle to get money, that they struggle with their health, they struggle with alcohol, like I said. So it was extremely hard for me not only to grow without both my parents, but also being able to witness this harsh reality, you know? Yeah. And, and who did you live with in that time? I was living with my grandmother. Right, okay. And I was transiting between my grandmother and my grandfather because we, we love divorce in my family. <laughs> so there was a divorce. So I was moving from one little village to another little village. And funny thing is that... At the time, I had a friend. I had only one friend, good friend. And this girl, eventually, she came to live in Israel. So it's like we are the only two like kids from this age to have been able to, to live this, like, we can say shithole, you know. It's not sexy, a town called Kansk, very small. Mm. So, yeah, but let's come back to my story. So basically, yeah, I lived there two years without my mom, without my dad. And then I, I arrived in France, so... For you guys to have an idea, Russian culture is very close to Vietnamese culture. We like a little bit communist style, I would say. So I was raised with values like you have to say the truth. You have to be honest with yourself. Uh, being jealous is something very bad. 
And gossiping, it's really like basically like bad karma, something like that. But when I arrive in France, France is, uh, is a little bit not opposite of Vietnam, but it's like we are less into family, like collectivism. It's more into individualism. Mm. So I had to face stuff like hypocrisy, jealousy, gossips. I'm not saying hatred, but like just some... Not always nice comments coming from kids. You know, kids can be very hard. And the funny thing is, like, my name in France, if you say it wrong, it can mean a very, it has a very mean meaning. Okay. Yeah, so my name in France is Masha. So my name is Masha, real one, Masha, right? But when you go in France, they pronounce it Masha. And the thing is, like, they were saying this funny joke, they were saying Mashat, which means my pussy. So, yeah, right? I just arrived. I'm a kid. And all these kids call me, Mashat, Mashat. I'm like, what? Why do you keep calling me like that? That's so mean. So, well, I mean, you learn to embrace your true self. So. I suppose, yeah, yeah. That's but, quite an introduction. <laughs> high school. Right? High school. So, yeah, you learn basically, like, living in France basically teach me the first lesson, which is to adapt. Right, I see. And did you ever fluctuate between Russia and France or from the age of 10 were you mm -hmm. primarily based in France I actually you know the hard thing is like uh, I didn't go back to Russia my first time I came back to Russia I was 17 so I had already forgot a little bit like Russian culture and language because mm. when you're a kid you learn very fast and you forget so yeah I only came back to France uh, to Russia sorry at the age of 17 uh, 24 and then later 28 two years ago right I see mm. And with that then, what are some of the difficulties, except from being called pussy, that <laughs> you faced when you arrived to France? Well, first of all, it was called my pussy. <laughs> it was not just a random pussy, you know. But yeah, apart this, um, the most difficult thing for me, it was like, you know, as a kid, so I was very uh, eager to meet my mom in France because me and my mom were very close. But when I arrived in France, I knew she was going to get married to this man, thanks to who I actually arrived in France. He did all the papers. Like, I was basically like his child. He was considered me like his child. But the thing is, like, he was not very mentally stable. So I was going from one harsh reality, you know, like seeing uh, my very close relative having alcohol problems <laughs> to going to another harsh reality which was seeing my mom with someone who was not mentally stable so it it was very disturbing because at the same time i was in another country i could not speak the language i didn't understand the the culture yet and i was just feeling like oh, oh my god i was feeling lost and at that time my vision started to decrease Mm. Like I started to lose high sight, right? Something yeah, like I saw, yeah. How did it decrease? So, like just step by step. It's like um, it's how to say. Like step by step, started to decrease until it went like to two point five. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's like if you if you're into psychology, like if you have problems with eyes, it's like basically re you refuse to see something in your reality, which was my case. It was very it was very hard to 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 having this transition, and then also at school. I mean, at school I was very. Um, Lucky because I like to learn. I love school. I have a deep respect for teachers, uh, which comes from Russia. Like really, we really value this profession. So all this like frustration and uh, maybe anger also from my side, I put it in study. So I was really eager to learn French, to be good at school, to be an excellent student. And here's the moment you, you Connor are gonna laugh maybe because at this time I discovered 
هاري بوتر right <laughs> and Harry was amazing he helped me to go through this like adoption time also when my mom was getting away from this like heavy relationship and we would start to live by ourselves so Harry helped me to forget this reality and also to help me to learn French and to increase my imagination so I started to see like I started to grow very fast like facing I told you like alcoholism in Russia being separated from my family a new family in France which was a little bit like complicated but when I was reading Harry Potter like I was feeling that I can control basically my my life mm -hmm. you know I can give it some some meaning and from very young age I started to use imagination as a tool you know like to project myself in stuff that I want to do and Harry Potter not only helped me to learn French because I was reading in French at the time but also was my first book like to to give me the power you know power mm. that you can change you can change your reality you can do the things you want and the way you see things is the most important way of course like yeah. my dad is saying my dad is saying sorry he's saying like life is not about what you have but it's what about what you do with it yeah of course right yeah and what age did you pick this up harry potter Were harry you... potter i was already 11. I 11. 11. See, that's very yeah. early because you've mentioned yeah. a key theme yes that on this podcast which i advocate is taking control and responsibility yeah where it isn't your fault a lot of the time right but it is your responsibility and power to change it exactly finding this out at 11 was pretty huge because i was 21 i think right? <laughs> very late until i realized i had the keys and so to pick up Figure that out at 11 is quite impressive. Like, kudos to you. It started, you know, it started like uh, that with Harry Potter, but then my mom is someone very, I would say, spiritually awakened. And she she's an extremely strong woman. And when later on I had problems at school, like I had to face like bullying mm. also in France, she was the one who started to teach me things about forgiveness, about uh, self-control, about again that you can change your reality so harry potter was step one my mom was step two <laughs> <laughs> it all starts with harry potter i yes. like that but can you tell me then about school because because mm -hmm. going to school in your teenage years can be tricky for so many reasons mm. but especially in a new country like exactly. france and how did you deal with issues such as bullying and especially mm -hmm. when your home environment as you mentioned isn't the most stable either mm. how did you navigate that process i Honestly, so now I, I try to remember, but it was okay for me. I see life as a game, it's a daily game, there are daily challenges, but you are the main player of this game basically. So I was trying to, like, you know, you're still a kid, so you still have the imagination, as I said. So I was trying to, how do you say, to embrace what's going on, but at the same time, trying to make my reality more beautiful, like. I was very like uh, I always liked fashion. I always liked beautiful clothes. So I was trying to like I knew my reality was hard at the time because at the age of twelve, my mom separated from her second husband. So we had to change house, leave only me and her, like face some economical issues. So I was just trying to like to concentrate on the things that I could control. Like I could control my outfit. I could control what I eat for breakfast. I could control the path I go to. I take to school, so I was just concentrating on all the small things that I could control. And eventually, when we moved in a new house, like things started to get better. But then the bullying part arrived. So the bullying part was like I was growing in this very popular neighborhood in France. So we had a lot of like uh, Arabic people, for a few people from Africa, like Portugal, me from Russia. It was a very mixed environment, and I was hanging out with this uh, French and Moroccan girl. 
at the age of, I remember, 13, or very close friends were like, you know, the popular girls. At this time, it was popular girls, like, ooh, a little bit mean girls. Yeah. But we were, like, I was the nice one. I was the nice one. And I was having good grades, you know? But then one day I came back to school and, oh, why my friends don't talk to me? Like, okay, maybe I did something. The day after you come back, oh, even more people don't talk to me. And day three, I had a fight, like physical fight. And I was so shocked, you know, because it's like literally my, me, I'm an open book. So I'm, I'm really like, I believe that honesty is the key and that you need to be honest. But sometimes you tend to believe too much into people. Sometimes. And this is where they actually, unfortunately, can get it as an advantage to use this against you. This is what happened. And it was all about, like, it's stupid, like, a boy liked me, didn't like one of these two girls. I had better grades than others. Like, stupid things. But... At this age, when you are a teenager, it can really harm you. Like, mm. especially when you know you're very vulnerable, like growing in a, in, in a new country, not really knowing things. And this is where, yeah, I faced bullying. But it, it really helped me in a way to know that actually I am, and you guys are, you, Connor, we all stronger than what we think. And this is just an opportunity for us to, to, to empower ourselves. And the younger it comes, maybe I think it's better. Again, yeah. all the all, all everybody faces different challenges, but it's like what you do with this. So I almost quit that school. I almost changed school, but then my mom again, she was like, "No, why should you change the school? You're the best student in your class. Why should you go to another school?" And eventually, it was the end of the year, so things like kind of slowed down. There were no fights with these ladies, no fights with other people. Everybody kind of forgot about me. But the next year. These two girls, they had huge problems with other students, like older students, younger students. And I just like, I found new friends and I was just like coming back to life, you know, like just feeling myself, uh, myself again. But definitely this was a very strong experience at such a young age. Again, when you're very naive, when you're very like, no, not stupid, but you, you're just like being nice, you know, you're open to life and you expect to take the best out of it and you get hurt. And it's also when you learn that uh, you need to, how do you say, to be smart in your relationships around you. Mm. Not say too much, not say not enough, but like find the balance. Yeah, of course, balance, balance is key. And how do you manage, for example, if you are a kind person and you're an mm -hmm. open book, some people you might not quite align with who might have different intentions. Mm -hmm. How do you perhaps not harbor resentment when somebody has perhaps used your kindness as a weakness? What would you say... And how do you forgive them? How do you move forward? Mm, I will say, you know, I had a very interesting story that happened to me actually very recently. A good friend of mine here in Vietnam, we've been friends for a few years. I learned from different people that she's being, uh, telling, not telling, how do you say, like, not bullshitting her, gossiping. Mm. Like, repeat, like, repeating stuff that I said to her, repeating to other people, complaining about me. Voila, ah, okay, that's the real, yeah. complaining. I like I I learned that and basically obviously I've been very uh, upset I've been very sad but then I'm like actually I feel very sorry for this person because she didn't find the strength to tell me how she felt about that but instead she was using other people to express her feelings basically it came it all came back to me in the end and I could have you know text like hey what what's your problem like let's meet let's talk let's figure things out but instead, I chose to, to ignore and I chose to work on myself to, to forgive her. Because in the end, I mean, she, she's the one losing me. It's not the opposite. Like, I, keep my val I, keep, I still keep my values, my standards high. 
And I believe that when people do something bad, you know, it will eventually come back. Mm. In another form, like it doesn't have to be right away, it doesn't have to be like with me and something, but you know, you get, you, you get what you, like we have this quote in France, it's like, once you put a seed in the ground, the fruit that you get will represent uh, the way you took care of the seed, basically. So it's like if you if you put like bad seeds in uh, in the in the how do you call it compost in the compost, mm. like the fruit you're gonna get is gonna be shit. That's it. So when a bad situation happens to you, you have to see the good out of it. Yeah. Like seeking transform poison into medicine. And I started to study about Buddhism mm. lately, so it really comforted me in my spiritual choices when facing difficulties when facing like lies, betrayal, like how, how to deal with that. And it's really the capacity to see the good out of it. Because eventually it taught me that, well, you know, you, again, you need to not to be so open. Yes, yeah. for sure. You need to use it, like basically now I use it as a tool, like to read people when I first meet them, to see which kind of vibes is coming from them. Like, can I, can I trust them? Can I trust them a little bit less? But which kind of relationship will we be able to have? you know yeah, friends sure. or whatever I mean just generally speaking yeah I like the bit about feeling sorry or having compassion yeah. for those who've wronged you because I used to think as I'm not necessarily mm -hmm. religious that it was very wishy-washy and a bit appeasing however now I realize it is the only way forward exactly. if you harbor resentment and you hate them and you mm -hmm. bitch about them give it back you're not going to benefit no the best thing to do sometimes is to Send them compassion and leave. <laughs> yeah, empathy. Like, empathy, really yeah. empathy and we've, but being firm at the same time. Yeah. Being, staying firm inside. Doesn't, you don't have to say, the most important, like my mom told me, it's not how you are outside, it's how you feel inside. You can be yelling outside, ah, da, da. but if inside you feel calm, then you're winning. Yeah. You win, you win over the situation. For sure. So. It's usually internal. And I want to move on to your mm -hmm. career and sure. your path. And we are going to talk entertainment and business, yes. which you studied. However, before that, and I listened to this on 7 Million Bikes, Yay! shout out Neil, <laughs> five languages. Yes. <laughs> I'm very similar to Neil, but I, I speak one. So when I was thinking, wow, five, fluent in all five? Not fluent. Mm. They have different levels. Like right, for, okay. you can hear it. Actually, I'm very, you guys should know that I'm very nervous when I talk to native speakers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, very nervous, yeah. But like on Neil podcast, I noticed like, oh my God, all the, all the grammar mistakes I made, but I'm like, ah, oh, that's okay. At least I'm natural. Fuck it. Yeah, of course. So it's, it's the most important. So yeah, five languages, but all on different levels. So Russian is my mother tongue, mm. but actually French are much more, uh, how to say, efficient in French because I, I stayed in France for like 13 years. Yeah, of course. I got, I got, I have French passport. So, yes, that's nice. good. <laughs> nice. Maybe one day I'll get in the Vietnamese one. No, kidding. No. Maybe no need. But, um, yeah, so then I studied uh, French. But also French, you know, the, uh, not French, sorry, English. See, I'm losing my mind. So, Russian, <laughs> French. Oh, 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 oh. So, then I studied English at school. But, you know, English, French people, we are very shy about learning English. Most of the French people that I know, they will speak like that, obviously, because, uh, you know, the accent is like that. And we are extremely shy about our English. I don't know why. I don't know why. But then I got very, I was very lucky to go to study abroad in China. Then I came to Vietnam. So, basically, my English is not so much... It's not coming from school, it's just coming from life, I would say. 
And I'm very, like, I like to create my own expressions. Yeah. So, <laughs> maybe You're you know? quite creative as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, given that, I like to create my own expressions. And so, that's about English. The Spanish one, it's, in France, we're very lucky that we have to choose between Spanish or German. So, I chose to study Spanish. And originally, I thought I was going to live in Spain, in Barcelona, or go to South of America to study more Spanish, because I love that. But life is full of surprises. I came in Vietnam. And here I'm lucky enough to have some Cuban friends mm. with who I can like keep my Spanish. And also, guys, I recommend you to watch Casa de Papel, which is an amazing show in Spanish, subtitled with Spanish. Oh my God, you're going to love it. Yeah, for sure. And Vietnamese out of the five is the Vietnamese. one I find the most fascinating because I'll, I'll confess, I've been very lazy with the Vietnamese language. <laughs> I, I know the basics, but I really can't speak coherently. Mm -hmm. How did you get into Vietnamese? Why did you choose to study the Vietnamese language? Well, that's a very good question. Indeed, Vietnamese is the most challenging language out of these five, but it's also the most interesting for me. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the most important for me when I am somewhere is to adapt. Adapt to the environment. It can be adapt to a party, adapt to a country, adapt to a culture. I'll, I like to do that because the strongest is not like how you say it. Like the strongest is not the one who survives, it's the one who adapts that will survive eventually. So in Vietnam, I, um, for Vietnamese, I mean, I came here with, with the idea to stay here only six months. But then six months became one year, and then I decided I'm going to stay here. And at that, at that point, I had a Vietnamese boyfriend. And I remember telling him one day, like, hey, can you teach me some Vietnamese? Oh, no, no, I'm busy and so on. The day after, I say, hey, so I think if you're not teaching me Vietnamese, I'm going to find someone else who will. And he just started to teach me Vietnamese. He got it. He was like, okay. So I started to study with him, which was quite efficient because at the time I was very close to his family and I loved his parents so much. They were like my second parents, basically. It's like you have parents for free. So I wanted to be close to them. And uh, at some point he told me, okay, you, you have to go to school. So I went to school and I went to school. The, um, I always forget it in English, but in Vietnamese it sounds like It's just next to the zoo, guys, in case you want to go. And I always advertise this school because it's public school. The fees are extremely low. The, um, the teachers are very nice. And you only speak in, in Vietnamese. So I just started step by step, you know, without any pressure and being very humble. I think Vietnamese is the language that teaches you to be really humble and nice to yourself. Because it's so frustrating, you know, when you learn a few words, you want to go, you go to this like cafe, you want to practice and they don't understand you. And you just feel like a piece of shit. You're like, oh my God, I spent so much time and energy, money probably to learn and I'm not even able to say a word. So... With Vietnamese, you really have to take things slow, in my opinion, slow. And with, you also learn, yeah, like self-love, self-care, and the fact that sometimes going slow is, is going at the right pace. Yes, sure. So this is how I take it. I, I don't, like, I'm not fluent yet, but I am lucky enough to, to be passionate about this language and to study with uh, an amazing teacher who is also my friend and with who I'm very, very close. And just like it's the love of the, for the country, for the culture, and also the curiosity that motivates me. Mm. And uh, also because my job is really, really linked to Vietnamese. Yeah. Like I really try to make my way here in Vietnam by recording all the shows in Vietnamese for Vietnamese audience. My TikTok is also mostly for Vietnamese people. So it's like I dedicate myself, let's say, to Vietnamese 
audience most right, of the time. I see. And we are going to move more on to Vietnam mm. and how long you've been here, etc. Mm -hmm. But before that, before we talk about your work in Vietnam, mm -hmm. you did your degree in business. Yes. But went into entertainment. Yes. Now, how did that come about? <laughs> well, you know, as I as I said, I see life as a as a game, and I'm a person who is easily getting bored. It's like I need constant intellectual, like spiritual stimulation. And the thing with business, like when you learn about business, it's all it's just boring. It's all about like it's not about practice. It's about some techniques. So basically, I did learn business during my internship most of the time and this is where I find out that I don't want to work like for be for I don't want to work for someone like I want to work for myself and I want to see that my work has an impact on people that I can make them smile that I can make them laugh that I can motivate them to to achieve their own dreams you know to follow their own passions and that for me is something really important so despite if I have a business degree I'm very proud of it still a master you know <laughs> I mean I work hard to get it it's just I I believe that life is short and we should always listen to our inner voice and my inner voice told me since young age that I like I like stage I like drama in France we are lucky to have like drama industry is very strong in the culture so I studied at the French conservatory about like playing on stage and uh, when I arrived in Vietnam, it just like seemed almost like natural to me to start to participate in all these big game shows, uh, like dating game shows, like food, travel, entertainment, and I just felt there at my place, despite the fact that even now I'm, I'm not understanding 100% what's going around, but I can feel. I can feel that this is where I belong, and I can feel that this can have a positive very nice impact on uh, on people and also it makes me happy to make people happy so you know yeah i'm a giver <laughs> see yeah <laughs> and there is quite a variety here i mean actress mc yes. model script writer which one started first which one uh it's i don't i don't know like honestly which one started first but i would say it's more about acting i like i like to play like i like to embody different characters my own character also but by the way, I'm, I'm not so different from on stage and in real life, guys, so don't get too excited. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's the fact to be myself. That's kind of like lead me also to writing, like to write some articles. And like the more you explore about yourself, the more you discover that, oh, I, I can do this and I can do that. And you know, I know people tend to say, oh, focus on one thing, uh, it's so much better. Nah, just do what you feel like you want to do. Like, if you have this inspiration to write an article about something that you care, which happened to me during lockdown, then just do it. If you want to try to be an actor, then, then just try. You know, my very first show was with this Vietnamese beautiful model actor. And at that time, me, my, my Vietnamese was shit. His English was shit. He was just starting in that way. And three years later, we, we catch up. And he had grown so much. He had done so many movies, so many projects. And he's about to go to US to shoot his first big movie. Me on my side, I, I like I did my way in Vietnamese entertainment. And it's all about growing, about taking the risk to abandon, I would say, the comfort zone. Mm. Like it's like it's not about how you say you're not losing anything, you're gaining so much when you say no to a comfortable, easy path. And you are you're just learning so much about yourself, like so much about other people, and like you learn to trust yourself, to trust your gut, 
So I would just say, yeah, like moving, like business side is always here. You know, you always need to have some like solid knowledge about what is business and how you can use it in daily life. But at the end of the day, it's all about creation. And I, I like to create things. Yeah, I see. And did you start your, I suppose, entertainment creative journey in France? Or was it primarily when you came to Vietnam? Mm, actually, you know, the funny thing in France is that I felt quite rejected in France because I participated in some beauty contests, but it was never going, like, I, I received, like, critics, I remember, from this uh, local modeling agencies. They told me at the end, I was, like, 19? They told me, hey, Mika, Masha, that I'm Masha, uh, you should have been either either taller or you should gain some weight. And it's like when you're young and you're growing as a girl, saying that by a professional in the industry, it just kills you. It's dangerous. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so dangerous. And it stayed. And I, I just, at that time, I was very sad. My mom, again, my mom, told me one door closes, another one opens. And at that time, I promised to myself that I will find a country, I will find a place where people will like me love me and like being happy to be around me just for the way I am not for a potential me that could happen if I grow five centimeters or if I gain some kilograms and I just made this promise to myself and funny thing is it's, that's how I feel in Vietnam guys right I see yeah for sure and you seem like someone who I'll use me as an example. Sure. If I was asked to go on a Vietnamese game show or anything like that. Sure. If it was maybe yeah, one day. Sure. <laughs> if they listen to comeback, we'll see. But for an English one, I'd be quite nervous, let alone one where I don't know the language. But you ah. seem to have embraced that and gone, oh, well, I don't know the language. I don't I know exactly what's going on. Well, I know you know the language now, but mm -hmm, there are mm -hmm, still mm -hmm. perhaps not fluently. Of course. This could be still something fun rather than daunting. How do you frame it in that way in your mind? Uh, it's like, how do you say, so I am someone who's very grateful for things and I got invited on this big, big show on VTV3 called which means literally embrace the culture, like embrace the culture where, where, where you are bathing, bathing it. And this is what I did. I remember, I, so I should, I don't know how, but they chose me to shoot all the episodes of season one. It's like 22 episodes. Yeah, which is a lot. And I was like, what? Me? I'm not even the best. My Vietnamese sucks. What the hell? But then I realized it's, it's not so much about the language, but it's about the, the energy you have. So it kind of helped me to be more, more confident. And also I took it as an opportunity to work, like to level up my game with Vietnamese. So I started to take much more lessons. Like, like now I take, like I learn Vietnamese four times a week. Uh, and each lesson is about like one hour and a half, something like that. So it's quite intense. I get, I get pretty tired, but I love it so much. And I can see that I'm getting better. And now when they called me to do season two, when I arrived, I was a little bit nervous, but I was like, this is, I am in my game. Let's say this is where I belong. I feel comfortable. I feel happy. I'm going to give the best, uh, the most entertaining version of myself. To, to again make people uh, happy, to give them something to think about. And it's just like, yeah, like not avoid the problem, but just like face it in the most honest way. And again, trying to see the best out of it. Like what, like what, which lesson can I learn? How can, how can it make me grow? Like which outcome will come out of it? Just this kind of attitude that I try to adopt and that encourage everyone to adopt in yeah. daily life.
Nice. I like mm. that message. That's powerful. Do you have any resources that you go to, like any books or mm -hmm. any podcasts that you really enjoy? Yes, I do a lot. So I started to learn about psychology, like self-power, positive thoughts with a lady called Ellen Cuddy. Okay. She's, uh, I don't know where she's from, but she's English speaker. Okay, She's cool. English speaker. Ellen, Ellen Cuddy, she wrote a very powerful book, which is like the, I think the title is The Inner Voice, something like that. Okay. The, the Little Voice, uh, I will tell you exactly, which is like um, some daily affirmations mm. coming from her inner voice. And it, it helped me also to listen to my own voice, which can be different. It can be a voice, it can be a gut, it can be a feeling, like everybody's different. But the most important thing is to know that you have this higher self inside of you and you need to listen to it more. Like I have this yoga outfit, it says disconnect to self-connect. And I think the most important in our society is to be able to disconnect from all the phones, laptop, and so on. Please listen to this podcast, okay? <laughs> Don't disconnect now. Except for this one. <laughs> Except for this one, yes. But then to like really listen to, to your own voice. So then, yeah. So Ellen Cuddy, Louise Hay, which is like basic, but powerful, simple. I love her so much. Also, like people like Tony Robbins, Jim Quick. Uh, recently, I really got into Buddhability podcast from uh, this, uh, uh, this yeah, from from Buddhism, and uh, yeah, it's just it's a daily work. I think the work when we work on ourselves, it's a commitment that we do to to ourselves. It's like proof that proof of self love and self care that nobody will never give us. Hmm. It, it's just we make a gift to ourselves, like when we choose to meditate each day. Now I meditate and also chant. It's like meditate loud and it just gives you so much control so much power and you can face like many different challenges mm -hmm. on a daily basis and again it's the way you treat them that's going to change not the challenge itself but you're going to see it as something that can help you to learn to grow and to change yeah, yeah i had jk on here talking about chanting right which fascinated me do you do it for 40 minutes or so no so i'm, I'm still pretty young on this so i mean it, it's going very easy for me because again like this uh, nishiran buddhism is uh, is very simple and at the same time very practical i think that's something that that is important in nowadays is to have a practice which as you can apply to every day so for me i don't chant 40 minutes maximum just like 30 minutes but i personally i associate it with like meditation so i will chant 20 minutes and then i meditate for 10 minutes to like kind of calm down my mind to refocus and then to start my day or like go to bed yeah, yeah. and going back to your entertainment yes. career have you any highlights are there any moments from your career so far that really stand out as memorable to you and if so why mm, i like this question a lot so yeah i, I have I have a lot of moments, but it's, how you say, it's every time, honestly, I get called on a show, I'm always genuinely surprised, like, oh, how these people find me? What, like, where, where did they, like, heard about me? So that's the thing, and uh, I would say the, the most recent highlight was, uh, I thought that during lockdown, I thought at some point that I'm going to leave Vietnam, that I'm going to leave everything I built so far, like, here, and I thought that I will never be able to come back on the set of this show on VTV3 that I mentioned earlier. And, and I was extremely sad. But then I decided, like, no, I'm going to embrace the situation. I'm not going to fly away. I'm not going to avoid this, uh, this moment of my life. I'm just going to, like, try to take the best out of it. 
and uh, so this is when I started to meditate. Mm. And then eventually, you know, things slowly came back to normal. And a few weeks ago, they told me, hey, we're going to reshoot season two, like, come. And I was just so happy. I almost cried on set. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, like, it feels like home. It was just a confirmation that this is where I belong and that I will do my best, honestly, to, to bring good content, to bring good vibes, to bring something new here, something that people can relate and they can use in their daily life. Absolutely. Yeah. And that brings me nicely on to Vietnam. Yes. Now, I ask almost every guest, why did you come to Vietnam? How long have you been mm -hmm. here? So I do want to ask you those questions, mm -hmm. but also what keeps you here? Why do you keep coming back? Why do you keep staying in this mm. wonderful country? So the thing is, like, I came here for an internship and I, I didn't like I didn't really like Vietnam at first. I found it a little bit like uncomfortable, like too hot, too noisy. Uh, there's too much, uh, yeah, too much people on the streets. They drive like crazy. Nya, nya, nya. And then, you know, you just start to get your own motorbike. You start to feel the fun. You're like, yeah, I kind of like it. And you start to feel like actually in this chaos, you can make your way, you know. For me, I, I'm i passionate about logistics. I love organized things. But it's like, I don't know, it's just going in the flow. It's like, despite this, like, chaos, there is, there is an order. And that's something that I like. It's a soft order. And I don't know, I just every day, like, even today, like, when I came to see you, Connor, like, I was driving on my bike and I was just feeling happy to be part of this big mess. So... That's the, this feeling that keep me staying here in Vietnam, being able, like, grateful every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, the weather is nice, it's never cold, you don't see the gloom, you know, that you guys have in, in UK, right? You just see that this beautiful sky, I, I'm lucky to see Landmark 81 from my window, to see this beautiful view and just be able to see the beauty out of it. Even though I, I still have some challenges, difficulties, right? But each time I really try to condition my mind to seek for the best. And now why I'm staying here is like, yeah, I made a promise to myself that I will learn this language. I will really do it. So I am really on my way for that, that I will do as much shows that I can, like big shows that can have more uh, reach. Mm. And I will develop more in, in over, how to say, categories. But yeah, I... I believe now that this is my place and this is where I belong and this is where I want to build my life and I want to do it in the most beautiful way which can also have a positive impact on the people who are around me. Right, yes. I see. And you've been here how long? Exactly? It's been five years. Five years. I was six years ago, but I live here for, uh, for five years. Okay, sure. Yes. This might be tough. Have you a favorite part of Vietnam? Is it the language, the people, the food? Mm, favorite part? I would say it's it's not even um, like, obviously, yeah, of course, like I would say, yeah, language, food, the, uh, Vietnam is beautiful, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, it's the spirit. It's the, I, I feel free in Vietnam. I feel so free, I feel so safe compared to other countries I, I was traveling. Not that it was bad, but it's just like, I, I really feel that <clears throat> this is, I really feel that Vietnam is my home, you know. I'm lucky to have two homes, but this is one of my other homes. And it's like, I don't want to choose if it's the people, if it's the culture, it's just the mix of everything mm. that make it, makes it so unique and so beautiful and again, so chaotic but at the same time so charming have you been back to france or russia since you came to vietnam to visit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. of course i've been back to france I've, i went to russia 
and uh, it was it was amazing to see everybody there but then it's like i f i felt the call like no no this it, you're not belong there anymore it's like you yeah, you you beyond there that, that you have Saigon to. Saigon is the place. Saigon is, a call, yeah. is calling me. Yeah. yeah, I've not had that yet. You see, I came here July oh, yeah? 2019, uh -huh. so I've not. I went to Bali for 10 days for Tet, but then because of COVID mm -hmm. and other factors, I've not been home yet. So oh. I'm fascinated that if I was to go home, what would I think about Saigon? I've not had that experience ah. of leaving it yet, and that's what I'm look. I think I'm looking forward to. I don't know what my future plans are, but mm -hmm. I feel like when I move to another country, I will miss driving over Landmark 81 with the sun shining at 7 a.m. Sure picking up a banh mi from the side of the yeah. road, going to a coffee shop, just little things that we yeah. really can take for granted sometimes. And, yes. with, and with that, the lockdown. Now, mm -hmm. someone in your shoes who's very creative, who works in entertainment, mm -hmm. the lockdown was tricky for everyone. Mm -hmm. I can imagine, especially for you, given your line of work, how did you deal with the lockdown? Um, so actually, at first, I, I didn't realize yeah. <laughs> what was going on. I'm someone who is like, I, I, I know I live in my bubble, in my pink glasses <laughs> bubble. That's true. That's very true. But I, I just, I didn't realize what was going on. And my birthday was coming and I was like, oh shit, I just turned 13. I cannot throw a big party. That sucks. But I, I don't know why. I was keeping a, a vision in my head that I will change apartments. Like I will move to another place. And it happens that... I started to live with my friend, so I was not by myself anymore, and we were like together in this in this apartment. And uh, at at first, I did some shows online for VTV3, but then the hardest lockdown started. This is when you could not go down, you could not go buy food, right? That this this was very hard. But again, it's like I was trying to see, okay, what can I do? So at this at my new place, I I realized that oh, there are stairs. I can jog in the stairs and there is the roof oh the roof can become my gym so at first I started to wake up early oh and also my friend left at some point my friend left and I was by myself in this apartment feeling so lonely uh, so sad but then I'm like okay if we continue on that way like nothing is gonna happen girl so just like you know embrace it and I started to wake up early and exercise but then I feel like okay this is nice but something is missing then I started to meditate Every, every single morning before uh, starting anything. And then I realized, hmm, but phone, you know, it's very tricky. It's like, it's like, it's like a drug. It has, like, it's, it's very tempting to use your phone every day, especially in lockdown. So I started to have rules, like, okay, I can use my phone from like 9, 10, 10 a.m. To, to 8 p.m. Yeah, and I used this time again because I had a lot of time in lockdown, right? You have mm -hmm. to kill the time. We did. Right? And I was studying a lot Vietnamese with my teacher. So basically, I came up with a very strong routine, a little bit sparse yet, which is like to wake up around like 6 a.m., meditate, exercise, learn Vietnamese, take cold shower. Yeah, now I'm, I'm into cold showers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two <laughs> minute Wim Hof. Right. Yeah. Not even half. Like I started to be just like cold, like really, sure. like to, to, keep, to keep myself, you know, motivated. And this like strong routine helped me to, to embrace myself. And I was like, hmm, wait, I, I kind of feel good, even though like things were very shitty, let's be honest. And I just, I just tried to see again, which things, what can I really control? I can control what I sit for my breakfast. I can control the way I put my food. I can control how many coffees I drink a day. So again, I just, I just came back to my basics. Like when I came to France and things were seemed to be like, 
out of control, I just start to, to, to notice like all the things that I can do, like all the choices I can make, like what I'm going to do today, what I'm going to read, what I'm going to think, what I'm going to listen to, to who I'm going to talk. And then you start to see like, oh my God, even though I cannot go outside, but I can still do many, many things. So I start to focus on this. And then I wrote this article for, for Bliss, which is about like five things to be happy in lockdown. And I shared it on some Facebook group and it got a great, a great, how you say, a great reception. Reach. Reception, yeah. Like people did not started to text me like, oh, thank you so much. It was very, very simple. But again, I was talking about like meditating, exercising and switching your mindset from like this, oh, I cannot do this. I cannot do that. I don't have my favorite meat. Well, you, you adapt, you know, you don't do it like maybe different kind of food and you want to be grateful for what you have so i think lockdown was extremely hard because at some point at some point i kind of lose myself i was like okay i'm just gonna come back i'm just gonna come back i don't want this anymore this is annoying ah give me my passport ah then like and what what you gonna do if you if you if you avoid this situation something similar will come up and you're gonna try to avoid it again to like pretend that oh no because it's not my country so i'm coming back uh, to france or russia so now just like Okay, so I got very strong into my routine, into my Vietnamese, and I really disconnect from social media. I started to focus on myself, to embrace my, my inner power. And I, at the time, also decided I will become a, the best version of myself. I will literally fall in love with myself. Because also in lockdown, I went through a breakup from a very toxic relationship. So I also took this time, I promised to myself that I'm going to heal by myself. And even after when I'm going, even start to talk to people, it will mean that all of these uh, like negative emotions are already in the past. And I learned my lessons to become a better version for me and for the others. So lockdown time was very tough, very lonely, I would say. But at the same time, I think it was a very, very good reset yeah. to restart things on another level to level up myself yeah have you read the book man's search for meaning by victor frankl no but i will <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> it sounds good it. Yeah. yeah he he survived auschwitz Ooh. and that's why i thought i'd read it in lockdown because right, i'm not comparing the situation but it is a point where you are confined to a space yeah so that's yes. the only parallel i could think so i thought i'll read it and see mm -hmm. and he mentions throughout the key theme was you can control your thoughts yes nobody can take that away yes. so i took a similar approach to you and thought mm. right i can't go out I can't do this, but I have a rooftop, I have a nice big room, I have a laptop, I have a phone, I have books. Yeah. Focus on those. Yes, I can't go and meet people, yeah. I can't go walking, but that will come again. Mm. There will be a point in Eventually, October, yeah. November, December, which has happened. Mm. So do what you can control. And that was really a perspective shift where mm. I thought, focus on what you can do rather than you can't. Otherwise, yeah. you will just drive yourself into a cycle of resentment and frustration, mm. which will just continue and continue. Very rough. Now, when you left lockdown, what was the first thing you did? Do you remember? The first thing I did, actually, I, you know, I know all this time I got asked these questions like, oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to eat this food? No, no, no. But I think I just like drove to see my friend Camille. Camille, I hope you're listening to this podcast, by the way. Camille Gumir. I need to listen to it. I went to see Camille and uh, yeah, we just hugged and we talked. Something very casual because I was not like how to say, I, I have also a mind which like I'm not going to miss things that I cannot have. Like I'm not going to be thinking about like a pizza if I know I cannot have it. 
So it's like when everything opened, all of a sudden it's like we could have all this pizza, all this stuff, but I got so used to the fact of being happy with what I had. So I just I came back to life very slowly. Like I'm, I'm literally coming back like just now, like mm. seeing more people and so on because you learn to be, to spend a lot of time by yourself. So then like, oh, all of a sudden coming back, it can be very, very actually, it can cause some anxiety, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and I did have anxiety post-lockdown, more than even when I was in lockdown. Like, that's crazy, right? And it's like, yeah, just go step by, I went step by step. Yeah, me too. My friend texted right. me and said, if it opens tomorrow, which it was Friday, October mm -hmm. 1st, you're telling me we're not going for a beer. And I said, no. no. Like, unbelievably, for three months, we were like, as soon as we're out, we're going to party. Yeah. As soon as it came, I thought, oh, no. It's, uh, it's, a it's too scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I can travel out of my district. Yeah, it was one of those weird ones. Oh. But with that, um, mm -hmm. I'm making an assumption here. You seem quite confident. Would mm -hmm. you say that's true? That you're quite a confident person? I would say I am, but it's it's constant work. You know, yeah. there, there are going to be situations where obviously situations where I'm not going to be super comfortable. But it's again, it's a, it's a choice. It's the power that you give to others to have control over, over you, over the situation, or you give it to yourself. So it's about how you feel inside. If you feel this, this inner, like it can be a fire, it can be this force, this, I don't know, this inner voice. But as long as you're in touch with this energy of you, I think everybody can be can be confident yeah mm -hmm. but again you need to you, it's it's a work it's a it's a daily work about self-love self-acceptance not being judgmental stop criticizing yourself like focus on good things and actually now i have a tool that i established during lockdown is like i have this i have my my uh, my bedroom door and i wrote nice things there like to remind myself whenever i feel down whenever i feel like i'm not enough like, I'm not this, I'm not that. And I wrote it in on the languages that I speak. So it's also, it can touch me at the deepest. So I really suggest everybody to do this, to have like a small, it can be a notebook. It can be, you can also, you can also do journaling. It depends, but something very visual that sometimes, or like even every day, you can look at it and say, oh, I am great. I'm really great. And I'm the best version of myself. I don't need to compare myself with others. I only need to compare myself with my past self. Yeah, absolutely. And before I ask you about your future project, which mm -hmm. is coming towards the end, sure. and then I have some Saigon quick bias uh -huh. that I'm going to test. Uh -huh. uh, before that, if there was anybody perhaps in a similar industry to you growing up, perhaps a young lady who wants to get either into entertainment or to move abroad, based on your experiences, mm -hmm. and I know that these are yours alone, mm -hmm. what advice or what tips would you give them in starting out? Mm, I would say that sometimes it's good. Yeah, I would say that don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone and that the world is much more it's much less scary than it looks like and that when you decide to to follow your inner path to to be in touch with your higher self it's a lifetime commitment like you you will not be able to live the same way before basically it's like once you decide that you will do you will do your podcast, like you will, do, be, you will try to be a singer, you will try to be a stand-up comedian, an MC. It's like you have to try your best, and eventually it will pay off. And like the fact that you're ready on your path, that you're doing this, I don't know, for me, like studying Vietnamese every day, this everyday work is, is one day bring me closer and closer to, to like to something big. But I'm like just be able to see the how do you say to be grateful at each step of the way. Yeah, that's yeah, what I would say. For sure. 
And I guess final question yes. before the quick fire. <laughs> uh, your future projects, Mika, what do you have on the horizon? Mm -hmm. What are your future aims, goals, desires? What's next for you? What's next? It's really to to be more visible on um, in, to be more visible in Vietnam on YouTube on television on podcast as well. <laughs> well, mostly into into Vietnamese things. I would say I would love to be on a series in Vietnamese series. You know, I know Vietnamese series can be a little bit cheesy, but I don't care. I like them a lot because they talk about topics like family, love. So my cheesy side is extremely happy. And then there's something like I think I'm gonna do is to take a course to be a life coach. Nice. Right? Yeah. Because I I really like this, how you say, this this profession. I have a good friend of mine who helped me a lot, whose whose name is Queen Le. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. she 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 does. She she's uh, she's kind of, she's famous. I will, I will, she should be on this podcast too, actually. Noted. <laughs> noted. So Queen, you should listen to my podcast too. And uh, yeah, so she how to say she also help me in some situations and again because I'm into spirituality for many years I'm just like hmm that could be the, maybe the like the final step to that to have like a, a diploma something and also it will give me motivation like maybe to write more articles more books and also like to coach people when I have free time coach ladies especially I'm really into like women self like women empowerment so that's something I would really like to do like in Vietnam for Vietnamese ladies for international ladies it doesn't matter just like to cultivate this like feminine uh, energy. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I love that, Mika. I think that's <laughs> empowering, and I can see you doing this route. So oh, keep going and go you. for it. Quick fire questions oui. related to Saigon. So the first one, and this is a test. I've oh, not done test. this oh, la, la. on the Combat Podcast before. Oh, so la, la. This, you are the first. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> the honor is yours. Um, <laughs> if there was one thing you could change about Saigon, what would it be? One thing I would change. Give me back, ladies' night. Ladies' night. Yes. That was Banana Mamas, is that correct? Uh, yeah, tonight maybe I'm going to be there. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> if you could live in another place in Vietnam, not Saigon, where would it be and why? <clears throat> okay, there are a few cities I really like. There's Dalat, there's Nha Chang, and I will definitely go to Hanoi for the northern experience, for yes. the accent. I love northern food. The way people talk, the pronunciation is just so it's just so hot. I think yeah. it's beautiful. Excellent. And final one. Yes. If you could take one famous person who you've not met yet to Saigon, where would you take them, and who is it? Okay, a famous person. Does it have to be a inter international? Or? Uh, it can be someone you've not met yet, so international or Vietnamese. Oh, I would take international. Okay, so now now is the moment of truth. <laughs> There is this Vietnamese singer that I like a lot for many years. His name is Suntum MTP. Everybody, you know, you know. I don't think you I don't know. know. Oh no, my no, god! No, no, I'm not that familiar with Vietnamese oh, music. I'm he's amazing. He, you can see him on many billboards, like right. on Oprah. Sure like you've yeah. seen him. So I will take him to go for a cocktail in a in a beautiful rooftop, and just like talk there, watching the beautiful view of Saigon, and talk about the industry. And he did a song with with Snoop Dogg. Whoa! Hi, Chachuang. Hi, Chachuang. Ooh, Yeah, that's him. Right, He's super big. So anyway, I would just take him like on a on a cocktail and talk to him and tell him that he was also one of the key motivators to teach, like, to motivate me to learn Vietnamese. Right, I see. And I even wrote, uh, actually, I did a short movie about him. Did you? Because at some point I was obsessed about him. Not because I was like in love, but it was more like 
Love in a creative way because he's like the first Vietnamese to be so known abroad and he's coming from a small city in north of Vietnam and he he's like short you know he's like regular guy but then he used his like inner force to shoot movies to to create nice songs uh, with nice melodies and again he did the song with Snoop Dogg you mm. know how many artists in the world like can say that yeah so yeah have, right so i have a lot of respect and actually i would love to like meet him in person yeah cool. so you go for a cocktail in d1 somewhere yeah in d1 beautiful place beautiful yeah place. for sure yeah. sounds great where can we find out more about you on social media or online so you guys can find me on facebook you can find me on instagram on tiktok of course on tiktok now i'm really into tiktok also you can uh, um watch me on youtube because i also have like a cooking show it's called save you oil where i go review some restaurants and obviously the vtv3 show the season two of is gonna be airing very soon and you can find all the episodes on the youtube channel so you can see me everywhere excellent yes. <laughs> any final thoughts before we wrap up uh guys just live live your life try to enjoy each day be happy and see the best out of any situation Powerful, profound. Mika, absolute pleasure. Thank ah, you. Thank you, Connor. Thank you, guys.